With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in the hopes that St. Nicholas would soon be there. The children were nestled, all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. It's not the night before Christmas, but it's even better. It's better. It's the night before the Premier League season begins. And that's much more exciting. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast on the last Friday before football kicks off in earnest. I'm joined today by Guy Drinkle, who's going to help me preview the Premier League fixtures of the first weekend. We do have eight games, which is quite exciting. Um, Of course, Manchester City and Manchester United are excused from the first weekend's games because of their involvement in the uh, Europa League and Champions League. Whatever that was, those little mini tournaments that they held. So their games have been um, have been cancelled for this weekend. It also means that Burnley don't get to play. Um, so no Sean Dice for me this weekend. That's that's obviously a, a disappointment uh, on a personal note. Um, but I am excited about these eight games. So Guy, how's your excitement levels? Oh, I love it. I love it. I know it's only been like literally a week before it ended, but. It's not the same, is it? It's not no. the same without football. It's not the same without football. And it's really unusual to get, you know, we're almost in at the middle of September and the league hasn't started. Normally we'd have a month's games behind us at this point. So let's start with the Saturday games, Guy. Yep. Um, so 12.30 kickoff, uh, newly promoted Fulham against um, Arsenal, who are still in a bit of rebuild mode. What, what do you think about this one? Right, so like you say, Fulham, newly promoted. They're going to come up full of confidence having won the playoffs. That's, you would hope, going to drive them for a little while. And it may help them overcome the lack of quality in the squad in the early weeks. So they have added in midfield. They have added at right back. But I still think they need to address centre-back. They've They've been linked with a couple of goalkeepers. So it's clear that they maybe see that as an issue as well. They're probably going to be fine in central midfield now because they have about 400 central midfielders. But they probably need a winger. Up front, I don't know if there's enough goals. But this is going to be a fascinating game because up front, they do have Mitrovic. And Arsenal are almost certainly going to have to play one of Gabriel or Saliba in this game. So Mitrovic will be welcoming them to the Premier League. Arsenal have a bunch of uh, injury issues. Mustafi is out, Pablo Mari is out, it looks like David Luiz is out, Callum Chambers is out. So if they go with a back three, you'd imagine Rob Holding, Gabrielle and Kieran Tierney will be that back three, uh, which 
probably means that Mitrovic will just go and stand on top of Gabriel all day and, and try and bully him and welcome him to the league that way. I think Arsenal should be very confident, though, because they ended the season really well, won the FA Cup, started this year with the Community Shield win over Liverpool. So you would hope that with a full pre-season with Arteta, with the, the two bits of success they've had, having beaten you know some of the top teams towards the end of last season as well, that there's just a new belief in the squad that they have finally seen that life doesn't have to be you know what it was under Unai Emery that you can go and win an away game I, I reckon Emery told team, his teams that you're not allowed to win away games I think that's what he does his away record throughout his career is an abomination even at PSG he was poor away from home not poor relatively I mean they still won the majority of games but PSG win pretty much every game there. Um, I think Arsenal win this game. I think they win this game 3-1. I think they'll just have too much quality in attack. They have Aubameyang, Pepe, Nketiah, all those lads. Willian's probably uh, probably going to start this one. So if they start Pepe, Aubameyang and Willian as their front three, I mean, that's going to be very difficult to stop for Fulham. So... While I do think Fulham will give them a game, I think it will be a, a good game. I think it will be a tough game. I think Arsenal will just have too much quality and will run out 3-1 winners. Yeah, it looks like Fulham got um, Alfonso, uh, Alphonse Ariola the other day as well when you're on about goalkeeper. Yes, that's the one. And that and like he had been offered around. Like There was rumours that he was offered to Arsenal. There was rumours that Aston Villa were maybe looking at him. Um, because they are on the you know in the market for a new goalkeeper. So look, he's a good goalkeeper. He's definitely better than what they had. Um, he's a little bit inconsistent, but from a talent point of view, he has the talent to be one of the ten best goalkeepers in the world. He's massive, great shot stopper, good on crosses. It's just consistency. He hasn't been helped by how PSG have managed him. Like, he's been bounced around on loan a bunch of times. It was a stupid loan last year, send him to Real Madrid, who already had Thibaut Courtois. He was never going to play. Um, in the end, he played nine games across all competitions. That doesn't help a player at 26. But um, I like the signing for Fulham. I do. I think it's I think it's a really good step forward for them. It's not Sergio Rico again, then? <laughs> no. No, Sergio Rico would be one I would avoid, uh, probably at all costs, uh, but definitely if I was newly promoted. Uh, exactly. Um, let's move on to the next game, then. Uh, do I dare say the new and exciting Crystal Palace v Southampton? Yes, you do! The new and exciting Crystal Palace. Eberich Easy, the Batsman, Michi Batshuayi. Uh, I, I like their business so far, I really do. I still think they've got more to do. I've said before, I think they need someone in midfield to give them a bit more energy, a bit more presence box to box. I'd like to see them get a bit younger at centre-back as well. Um, even if it's someone that just doesn't, that doesn't even play, but just comes in with the mindset of, this is a future starter. This guy's going to learn, he's going to develop, and in two years he's going to be first choice. That's all I want to see there, is just them have this plan. They're going in the right direction. Ferguson, easy. 
I reckon they're going to end up keeping Batshuayi as well. And I think Batshuayi could be a key factor in keeping Wilf Zaha. Because if Zaha looks around now and starts to see, right, well, I've n- now they're bringing in players on my level. Now it's not just me and 10 other fellas. Now it's me, Michi, Easy. Maybe Ferguson is one of us. And then, you know, slowly but surely they'll do the rest. Uh, I, I think this is going to be a good game. I, I like what said Hampton this summer. I still think they need a couple more. But they were in brilliant form to end last season. Ralph has put a real identity into that team. They've got a real set way of playing. They all know what they're meant to do. He's one of the one of the better managers in the league. Um, it's amazing to me that, you know, about a year ago, people were saying maybe they should change the manager. We had the, the talking heads on certain talk radio shows saying that he has to go, he has to go, he's not good enough, he has to go. And now I think they would get rid of any player at the club ahead of him. I think he's that important to them. This game, I think, is is set up to be a draw. I think if Palace could get that one more in, I'd probably back them. But on the flip side, if Southampton had gotten one more in in attack, I'd probably pick them. I think it's a really tightly balanced game. Um, as I pre- said yesterday when I was doing my predictions for the season, they're they're both in kind of this group where they're capable of jumping into the Europa League with a couple more signings and a, and a good run. Now, Hodgson may may hamper that a little bit for Palace because he's not the most ambitious manager in the world. But certainly, Southampton, Ralph will always want to do the best. He will want to go and get this team into the Europa League. So he will have big ambitions for them, uh, which is why I do think that they're not done in the transfer market yet. But as for right now, if both teams sort of halfway through what you'd expect them to do this summer, I'm going to say a one-all draw. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting. Um, the way Crystal Palace ended the season, a draw with Southampton's away record last season would actually be a good result, you'd think, seeing as yeah. Palace ended. Yeah, Palace, I yeah. mean, Palace, their form at the end of last season was a disgrace. But I'm just hoping that there's... I, I, I kind of felt like they just gave up. So I don't think it's it's as terminal as what what happened with Leicester. Mm. You know, like Palace were already safe and that was kind of that's mission accomplished. So they if they you know, if they got relegated, if Palace had gotten relegated based on that form, I'd be really worried about them in the championship. But Leicester missed out on top four because of that, that form. They missed out on Champions League. They should have been having like massive celebrations of getting Champions League football, and instead they're staring at a season in the Europa League, which is going to be really tough on them. Like for Palace, I just think it was like, right, job done, we're safe. These games don't matter. Let's just get through them, get to the summer, and then we'll start over again. So I, I think, I think Palace get a one-all draw here. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, on to. As the the game everyone's deemed Klopp v Bielsa, then yeah. So I think as a a fan of football in general, everybody is delighted to see Bielsa back or Leeds back in the Premier League and Bielsa in the Premier League. Leeds are one of the giants of English football, and there can be no denying their place among the biggest clubs in the land. 
they've had a horrendous last 15 years. Um, at times, it looked like they might never get back up. At times, they, it, looked, it looked more like they'd go out of business than get back into the Premier League. They've been through dreadful managers, dreadful owner. They've been through, you know, financial hell. They've lost countless great young players that should have been there to help them. And I'm just really happy to see them back in the Premier League. But Bielsa is is what I'm really excited about. I mean, this is one of the, you know, the real kind of anti-heroes of world football. He's not, like, everybody loves, well, not everybody loves, most people love Pep. And, like, look at what Pep has done. And when you take the tribalistic nonsense out, you're like, wow, like, look what he he's done in the game. Everybody loves Carlo. Not everybody loves Bielsa. He makes it quite hard to love him because he's gruff and he's, you know, unpredictable and he's he's a lunatic. Like he's an absolute lunatic. He will just walk out of jobs at a minute's notice. Like he went to Lazio and quit like the next day. He just doesn't care. He just he does his own thing. But there's something about him and about how he sets his team up and how his teams play that most other managers love him and want to replicate what he does and try and get like insights into what he does. And just while we're talking about him, uh, Lee Scott, who was on me a couple of weeks ago, is writing a book about him. So do keep an eye out for that next year when it comes out. Uh, and also buy his books, King Klopp and Mastering the Premier League. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so with Bielsa, like it's just it's going to be fascinating to see how his team adjusts to the Premier League, how he sets them up. Will he go with the four-one-four-one that he primarily used last year? Might he switch to the three-one-four-one-one that he used at Athletic Bilbao and at Marseille and in different places? Not every game, but he, you know, it's something he uses quite frequently. So there's a lot of there's a lot of mysticism around Bielsa as well like he's he was always this kind of guy that would be somewhere for a couple of years and you'd start to get interested in the team and then he'd be gone he'd be like oh well, that's a bit disappointing that he just doesn't stay in one place um Leeds will come into this game fired up they'll come in really well drilled really well organized they will press and run all day but Liverpool are really good at playing through a press now the lack of Trent Alexander-Arnold, I'm guessing he won't start, but the lack of Trent would be a big blow to them. In midfield, they should be fine. Naby Keita looks like he's in great form, great fitness through pre-season, so uh, Liverpool should be really excited about the potential of having him for the full season. You know Everybody's... you know, Milner's start in that game. <laughs> oh, almost certainly. Almost 100%. Certainly, yeah. Um, James Milner, is at some point in this game, James Milner and Stuart Dallas are going to run into each other, and, like, they're cut from the same cloth. Funnily enough, Dallas is a huge Liverpool fan, and obviously Milner is is a Leeds fan, born and bred. But uh, if they if they collide, like, we, we could actually see an explosion. Um, I, I think this is going to be a tight game. I think Liverpool have too much quality, though. And I, my worry, my worry with Leeds is the lack of goals. Bamford's not a big goal scorer. Rodrigo not a big goal scorer. So I'm going to say a two-one Liverpool win. 
but we'll see some fireworks on the sideline at some point. We'll see what we'll see one of the managers have a tantrum. Beautiful. I think it's harder to pick. I think it's hard to pick who has the tantrum, to be honest. Why not both? <laughs> Could well be both. Could 100% well be both. both. Just one might leave the next day from the football. <laughs> Klopp will stay. We also might leave. Uh, right. Um, West Ham v Newcastle. You're not very high on West Ham, and Newcastle have done a bit of business to um, brighten the mood just before the season, I suppose. Yeah, they have, and and they're all good signings, especially Jamal Lewis. Now, whether they're all fitting up to speed for this game remains to be seen, but um, I do think Newcastle have given themselves a real fighting chance with these signings. West Ham, on the other hand, they just can't get out of their own way. They just they've made an absolute hames of this entire window. Um, still attempting to to lowball Burnley for James Tarkovsky, which. It's just, it's just not, it's just not clever. I mean, the price is the price is the price, and it's Burnley. Like they don't give discounts, they don't even negotiate. It's literally this is the price, and we will release the player from the cell that we have we are keeping him in when you deposit that amount of money in our account. Otherwise, the player stays. So, uh, I, 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 as I said yesterday, I think West Ham are, are I think they have them doomed. I think they're going down. Um, they have the talent to stay up. There's no question. Going forward, they have so much natural talent and depth, like real depth. They have Haller and Antonio up front, Bowen and Yarmolenko on the right, um, Fornells and, and Lanzini in, as the 10, Felipe Anderson or Lanzini on the left wing. They should have created Diangana, but they sold him. Um, the concern, obviously, with them is just the back four is, is so bad, other than Diop, who's got potential, but last year wasn't good either. I think it, if there was fans at this game, I'd probably go Newcastle. Even though it's in West Ham, I think the West Ham fans are so fed up that they would make their, their annoyance known. I think that would have a, a bad effect on the team. With Newcastle having to travel down, even though I think Newcastle are the better team right now, I'll say a 1-1 draw because Newcastle have to travel so far for this game. I think West Ham are very lucky there's no fans in the stadium, though, because I think the owners would be getting told exactly what people think of them. And there's not enough spin doctors on different talk radio programs who could get them out of the trouble they've landed themselves in. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. I mean, what is the about a month left in the window? You feel like they need probably the most business to do in the league, considering everyone else has at least done some stuff. I mean, West Ham signed anyone? Of no, no, nobody. No. I think other like you could you could argue Fulham and West Brom probably need just as much, but they were in the championship last year. Mm. They should need more. But you need just as much as them, and you're a Premier League team the last however many years. Like, I don't know how it's gotten to this, but they, without a doubt, need three starters. They need a right back, a left back, and a centre back. Without doubt, that's what they need before the the season is really kicked off, which is when the the transfer window closes. And it doesn't look like they're going to do anything. Like, I, I know he wouldn't be ideal, but Danny Rose is available 
probably for free. I would imagine if you rang Spurs and said, look, we're going to give him a three-year deal and we'll match the wages you had him on, Spurs would be like, okay, take him. We don't want any fee. That's mm. fine. Yeah. I think he would take the move, gets to stay in London, get might get himself back in the England picture, and uh, he would be much better than what they've had there. Much, much better than what they've had there. Mm. And Fulham just signed two fullbacks for about 12 pence as well. <laughs> yes, that's the thing. Like Fulham just signed Kenny Tete and Ola Aina, both of whom could have helped West Ham at right back. You know, like, you look at loads of different fullbacks that have moved at the moment. Even someone like Aaron Hickey that left Hearts to go to Bologna for two million. They couldn't have bought him? It's... West Ham are a mess. And as I've said before, I don't know that Moyes is the man to get them out of this mess because he's not the manager he was back in the day. And if you look at their fixtures after this... They've got Arsenal away, Wolves at home, Leicester away, Spurs away, City at at home, and Liverpool away. Like, and that's only bringing them to the end of October. So I'll be honest, I'll be surprised if Moyes is still in charge when they play Fulham on the 7th of November. Because I think that's six straight losses. So if they don't take a point here... I think they will have zero points after seven games as things stand. And that that's a killer. Like it's going to be near on impossible to recover from that. Get on the sack race there, people. (laughs) Yeah. Get, get, get 20 quid on Moyes to be first manager gone. Hmm. Only if you're over 18, of course, and in an area where gambling is legal. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) Did we, did you give a prediction for this one? Uh, I'm going to say one all. Right. Um, moving on to Sunday then, the, the superest of Sundays. Um, West Brom, starting off that super Sunday. Uh, West Brom against disappointing Leicester. Yeah, Midlands derby, so there'll be plenty at stake here. Um, I'm worried about Leicester coming in off the, the bad form last year, the big collapse, the fact that they missed out on Champions League. They haven't improved their squad this summer now they are allegedly in for Wesley Fofana who'd who'd be a great signing Um, fantastic young defender very very highly rated Uh, coming from Sidetian where William Saliba came from and most people will tell you this is the more talented of the two as good as Saliba is going to be Fofana's different class he's statistically very similar to Van Dijk physically very similar to Van Dijk so um, that all bodes well if Leicester can get him he, he'd be a, a big addition. Now, if they play a back four, he's probably not a first-choice player straight away. In this game, Johnny Evans is out and Wes Morgan is out, so you'd imagine it's going to be Benkovic and Sionchu, who haven't played together a whole bunch. Um, Ricardo Pereira is out, which means James Justin will be right back and Timothy Castanier will be left back. So that's not a defence that, that, that know each other at all. There's no real balance to it either because they're all right-footed, so... It's going to be a little bit awkward for them playing out. Um, James Madison is out as well. That's a most. That's their most creative player gone. So I'm a little bit concerned about Leicester anyway, and I'm quite concerned about them in this game. I think West Brom will be will be fully up for this. Billich will have them motivated. Um, they got their 
their two wide boys back from that they had last season who were so good for them, Diangana and Pereira. Charlie Austin is fit, which means Charlie Austin will score. I'm going to say West Brom beat Leicester 2-1. Now, I do think West Brom are going to be in a hell of a relegation battle, and I did predict on yesterday's show that they would go down. But I do think they'll get a good start here uh, with three points over Leicester, who I think are going to struggle a bit this year. There's always a surprise on the first day, isn't there? There is. There's always one. And I think this this could be it. Uh, looking at the rest of the games, I'm not sure there's another another real standout candidate. Like, there's no question Leicester should win this game comfortably. Leicester should be they should be a top four contender, but I think I predicted them ninth, and I'm quite comfortable with predicting them ninth. And it wouldn't surprise me if they even finished a little bit lower than that. Dave does not like Brendan. <laughs> well, there's that, and I just I've like I've never seen him solve a problem i've never seen his team True. going in the wrong direction and him manage to turn it around i've seen him turn his team over to a ludic- ludicrously gifted footballer named louis suarez and just turn the team to him and then everything starts to click but he doesn't have a suarez at leicester and i don't think he'll do it now i think he thinks very highly of himself now after his time at celtic winning titles against nobody so um yeah, I, I think Brennan. I don't think Brennan sees out the season. I, you know, that's one of my uh, my prop bets for the year. I don't think Brennan sees out the season. I think, I think things go badly for Leicester for a few months, and he gets gate, and then they bring in somebody else. But um, yeah, I'm going to say two one West Brom. Get get the baggies started with three points. Yeah, I can certainly see it. I can certainly see it. Um, next game then. Um... Sounds like quite an interesting one on paper. Spurs v Everton, uh, Mourinho v Ancelotti. Yeah, another man, uh, another matchup of two great managers. Uh, two great managers with a lot in common. They've obviously both been to Chelsea. They've both been to Real Madrid. Um, they've both been sacked in both of their last two jobs. They both have big pressure on them this year. Carlo, because he's you know spent the better part of a hundred million so far. And Jose, because it's Spurs, and there's absolutely no excuse for them not being top four. Anything less than top four is a big, big failure. I think Everton have done good business so far. I love the signing of Alan. I really like the signing of James. It's just a matter of whether those two are ready to play in this game. I don't imagine James will be. Now, he, he could be. I could be wrong. But I don't think he starts this game. Um... I think Everton are still a couple short of where they'd want to be. And with Mason Holgate out, I have big worries about their defence because Yerry Mean is not fully fit. So it leaves Michael Keane as the only fully fit centre-back. So you'd wonder who'll play next to him. They haven't addressed the right-back situation. It looked like they were going to get Kenny Tete, but he's gone to Fulham. Um, Arias from Atletico Madrid is the, the other one that they've been strongly linked with. He's got coronavirus. So I don't know, you know what that's going to mean for his ability to leave Spain and travel to Merseyside. The last time some people left left Madrid and um, traveled to Merseyside, it, it didn't end well. There was a, a mass outbreak of, of coronavirus and then football stopped. So, um, yeah, I think, I think this is going to be a tough game. I think it'll be a really good game, a really, really well contested game. But I think Spurs have too much quality. 
I think when you've got Harry Kane, you've always got you've always got to favour the team that has a player like Harry Kane um, against the team that doesn't. And Everton, unfortunately, just for them, don't have a player like Harry Kane. So I think Spurs are going to win this game. As I said, I think Spurs top four is the minimum requirement. I have them predicted third as things stand. And I don't think they have much choice. I think if they miss top four this year, I think Harry Kane goes in the summer. Because at his age, he is going to want to be playing Champions League every year. He's going to want to be competing for trophies every year. And Spurs have let him down a little bit so far. They haven't really competed for any trophies. He's just turned 27. So he's in the prime years of his career. And he can't do a whole lot more than what he has done for them. I mean, his goal record is absolutely astonishing. Even last season, in an injury-plagued year, he got he got 18 Premier League goals, 24 in all competitions, 24 the year before, 41 the year before, 35 the year before, 28 the year before, and 31 the season before. <clears throat> Harry Kane would, will score you 30 goals every time if he gets the games. Um, the problem for him is that in three of the last four years, he's missed eight or more games and, and that is that hurts him but it also hurts the team because they're not prepared to play without him that's the other thing they need to address this year is they need to find someone as a backup they have been linked with Pats and Daka as a hell of a talent but it's a lot of money it's a lot of money so we'll wait and see I think Spurs win this game 2-0 uh, two and get themselves off to a good start but for Everton if they do lose it's not a bad thing. You know, you're in a rebuild. That's where you are. Now, you're looking for a quick rebuild. You're not going the long-term route like Arsenal have. You're buying players that you want to win now with. Um, but there's still more to be done. Carlo's not finished. You need at least one centre-back, at least a right-back, and without question, a goalkeeper. And then maybe a number nine as well. So just be patient with Carlo. He'll get you going the right, the right direction. Hmm. It's a real opportunity to put a market on for the season for both teams, you you reckon? Definitely. I mean, if, if Everton were to win, it would be a huge, huge step for them to go to a top-four team and win away, like a top-four capable team and win away. That would be ba- be massive for them. Um, I just think they're still a little bit short. Yeah, yeah, I agree with the weaknesses. I mean, they've been linked with Tamari from Chelsea on loan. Would that be the good move? Yeah. There? He'd be a really good signing. Him and Holgate, I'd be really interested in seeing them together. Um, Tamori looked really good at the start of last season and then sort of dropped off a little bit. I don't think he was helped by Frank. I think Frank sort of never really no, set No defensive players helped by Frank. No, certainly not <laughs> last year anyway. They were a mess defensively last year. But um, yeah, Tamori would be a good addition. If they get right back and get Tamori... Um, they're going to have to live with Pickford another year. They're not even been linked with goalkeepers, but uh, that uh, until they get rid of Pickford, they're not going to do what they want to do. They want they want top four. You don't mm. bring in Carlo and, and spend a hundred million every single summer if top four is not the the end goal, and they won't do that with Jordan Pickford. Yeah, I agree. I'm not not a fan of his, um, and he's somehow England number one still, um, which is great. Um, We'll move on to Monday uh, before I pick for Durant. Um, the two probably most interesting teams outside of the top teams from last season, Sheffield United v Wolves, um, should be an interesting game. Should be a really interesting game. 
should be a very, very interesting game. Now, both teams are, as things stand, not as good as they were last year. Wolves lost Doherty, who was massively important for them and haven't replaced them yet. And Sheffield United lost Dean Henderson, who was one of the two or three best keepers in the league last year. And they've replaced him with Aaron Ramsdale, but Ramsdale, as things stand, is not as good as Henderson is. He can get there, but it might take him two years. Um, Wolves are also going to be without Adama Traore because he's got coronavirus. And their signings this year are kind of, so, well, the ones they've made so far, Vitania and Fabio Silva, they're like they're long-term signings. It's an, a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old that you're bringing in for the long term. Vitania, you might expect to contribute something this year, but Fabio Silva is probably strictly going to be a backup to Raul Jimenez. Sheffield United's other signings, Ampadu, I think, is is tremendous, and I think he will become a starter, but he won't start the season for them in the team. Uh, unless they have an injury. Um, Jaden Bogle will become a starter, but you'd imagine George Baldock starts the season at right back. And I, I, I think Lowe is a good squad player. I think he'll develop into a good squad player, but I don't know that he ever becomes a starter for them. So as things stand, I think both teams have taken a step back from last year, but the loss of Adama for this specific game is massive for Wolves because Doherty and Adama were their their two most creative players last year. With both of them gone, I think they might struggle a little bit. Um, so I'm going to pick Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday. Jeez. I'm going to pick Sheffield United to win this game 3-1. Now, I don't... Three might be being generous to Sheffield uh, because they don't really have a whole bunch of goal scorers in the team. But I don't really trust the Wolves' defence either. I don't trust that back three. I think there's always instances where they get left 1v1 and they just get roasted. So I'm going to say Sheffield United win 3-1. Yeah, it's such a strange window for Wolves. I mean, losing Doherty, fair enough. I mean, he's 29, you can cash in. But, I mean, they've only been linked with... Um, Maitland Niles from Arsenal, and that was like a month ago. So it's just a very, it's a very strange window, isn't it? Really, really strange. I like I don't know why they weren't in for Matty Cash, who would have just been the perfect plug and play replacement. Um, it, it's ama- it amazes me that Max Aaron's is still left at at uh, Norwich. There's been a number of clubs like at the at the start of this window, you would have said Sheffield United need an upgrade at right wing back. Aaron's would be perfect. Now, they got Bogle, so that's great. Villa bought a right back. I didn't think they needed one, but they bought one. Uh, Aaron's was another option for them, but they bought cash. That's great. But Newcastle probably still need a right back, even though if in a back four, Emil Kraft and Mankio's probably fine. Aaron's is much more exciting than either of those two. West Ham have an atrocious fullback situation. Fulham have bought two right backs, neither of Max Aaron's. Um, Wolves definitely need a wing back. I would suggest, like I said, Hampton bought bought a right back, didn't buy him. I, I think Max Ahrens starts for most teams in the Premier League. I think he's really good, but um, nobody's bought him yet, and I think Wolves should be the team to take the chance. I actually think I actually think the team that should have taken the chance on him was Borussia Dortmund, 
when it became clear that Hakimi wasn't going to be theirs this year, that they couldn't afford him, they should have gone and bought Max Aaron's. And would have helped them with, with uh, Sancho as well. Anyway, um, yeah, because Sancho's going to Man United. <laughs> we we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. I'm I'm sure I'm sure you know there'll be a, a a catchphrase, a total agreement, and the real story behind the paywall. Anyway, uh, what's the last game? Uh, Brighton v Chelsea. Right, Brighton v Chelsea. I think. I'm high on Brighton this year. I think uh, I think they've been massively disrespected by uh, by certain journalists. Who um, it's funny, like if if Leeds had signed Ben White permanently, they would have been lauded for it, and it would have, what a great addition, what a great business to keep him. But Burn, uh, Brighton, who didn't have him last year, have now kept him permanently, so they will have him. And, well, they haven't improved. They haven't done anything to improve themselves. Well, yes, they have. They've just added a brilliant young centre-back. That improves them. Um, I think Brighton have been massively disrespected. I think Brighton are going to have a good season. They've got a really good manager. Lewis Dunk's very, very good. Webster's very good. They've got a good goalkeeper. Really like Terry Glamty. Good midfielders. I think Alexis McAllister's going to be really, really good this year. Mopé's a good player. Trossard's a good player. I do have them losing this game, though. Uh, even though I think Chelsea are going to be more similar to last season's Chelsea than what we should expect to see maybe in two or three months, I think Werner will start. Zayic is out. Chilwell is out. Thiago Silva is unlikely to play. They haven't got the goalkeeper across the line yet. Um, Havertz might play, but might be just a little bit too soon for him. But uh, I think we'll see. I think we'll see Hudson Adoy, Werner, and Pulisic as a front three, Kante, Jorginho, and Mount as a midfield three, and then something like James, Zuma, Rudiger, and Aspilicueta at left back in defence with Kepa or Willy Caballero in goal. Probably Willy, because it doesn't look like Frank at any time for Kepa. Uh, but I think Chelsea will just have enough. To get a 2-1 victory. I think Werner will score. I think Pulisic will be very difficult to stop. Um, really like him. He's a very, good, very, very good player. I, I think Chelsea should just have enough in this game. I don't think we'll see the full new Chelsea for a while. But um, they should have enough to beat Brighton in this game. Brighton still have left themselves a little bit short. Now, I do expect them to get the pieces they need. A goal scorer, a left back. I think they get them in. They're another team that could could take uh, Danny Rose. I think they get them in, but they just don't have them yet. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Chelsea to beat Brighton two one. I mean, does this have uh, upset potential? It definitely does. It definitely does. Brighton could well do it. Like Brighton, they've got quality in defence. They've got quality in midfield. Quick, nimble strikers who do, who are the type that give the likes of Zuma and Rudiger problems. Zuma and Rudiger are both quite front-footed, quite aggressive. They like to play right up against the striker, like they want that physical battle, and they won't get that from the likes of Trissard and Mopé. They'll get movement, they'll get pace, they'll get cutting runs, back cuts, Z patterns. They get really, really well coached by Graham Potter. He has, a, you know, 
a laundry list of set attacking moves that he likes to run through. Um, and he does teach his strikers very well. You know, you'll see both of them will drop out and then try and spin and go behind. And if it doesn't work, they'll just reset and they'll try it again. So I'd be I'd be wary of that one. It's I, I, I do think Brighton have the opportunity to win the game. Um I just think Chelsea have a little bit too much quality right now. If Brighton had got their number nine, I'd probably go with Brighton. But because they haven't, I'll I'll say Chelsea two one. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if it's like Brewster or something ends up at Brighton as well. Yeah, that's the thing. Mm. Right, so that's our eight games. Um, so to recap, I've got Arsenal 3-1 over Fulham. Palace and Southampton 1-0. Liverpool 2-1 over Leeds. West Ham and Newcastle 1-0. West Brom 2-1 over Leicester. Spurs 2-0 over Everton. Sheffield United 3-1 over Wolves. And... Chelsea 2-1 over Brighton. Now, if you are a fan of any of the teams I've predicted to lose, good news, I'm terrible at predictions. So in all likelihood, I'll get most of them wrong and um, and your team will win. So celebrate, uh, enjoy yourself. Um, that's me for today then. Thank you very much, Guy, as always. Uh, I will be back on Monday. However, tomorrow morning at about 8 we are going to release the interview uh, with Tom Flight, who is the author of You're Joking, Aren't You? The Story of Middlesbrough's 96-97 Premier League campaign that saw them started with buying Fabrizio Ravinelli, get to two cup finals, lose them both, and get relegated. Uh, it's a really good book. I'm about halfway through it now, um, and it's very, very enjoyable. So make sure you check out that interview. That will be out tomorrow. Um, aside from that enjoy the games enjoy the weekend I hope all your teams win I know that's not possible but I do hope they, they do all win I hope my team wins so Leeds I suppose I don't hope your team wins um, but no I, I'm really excited for football to be back I'm really excited for the season I think we're in for a good one enjoy yourself stay safe and I'll see you Monday Podcast Network.